0: Well, mm-hmm. we are back from a well, like a long break. It's been a minute. Yep. Yeah, hiatus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get into. Uh, Dave had a, quite an adventure while we were taking a break. You guys don't know about the break because we were a, a day short or a day late putting our last episode out, and this one will drop tomorrow. So time
1: is all just make believe. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. There's nothing, there's but we did have
0: a real out there. Yeah, we almost had a ten day. I think ten days off basically so yeah but um, we're gonna get going today welcome back everybody I'd like to thank you guys for stopping in and all you guys are continuing I'm hearing a lot of a lot of feedback that you guys are enjoying the stuff and we would love to hear that but we'd love to see everybody that's enjoying our content to like our social medias share the content out there we're putting out reels and stuff and you guys can share those those are free to share monetize do whatever you want to with them just share the word make sure you tag us if you if you uh, share something and uh, we'll just continue this on and building this brotherhood today we're going to talk about what can be a considered a hot topic now masculinity kind of where we're at in culture where we feel like god designed masculinity what we feel god designed masculinity to be And um, another kind of controversial, maybe controversial subject, what the church is doing and not doing to cultivate masculinity. And then at the end, we're going to talk about a little bit of gear and Dave's going to share his adventure out in California, but come along for the ride. All right, dude. Let's get this rolling. Yeah, it's yep. awesome. Glad to be yep. back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that one of the big things that, that when we started this whole thing of righteous savages, what we wanted to talk about a lot was where we feel masculinity is and what God designed masculinity to be in his perfect picture of what men should be. And kind of um Where that fits into where culture is now and how culture is assaulting that. And I think there's a reason behind why they're assaulting it. But um, let's go ahead and start that conversation. Yeah, for sure. So here's
1: the thing that's interesting to me is that it's essentially, you know, culture today, today's society, I think is leaning towards having everybody trying to fit in the same space, nobody stands out. Because if somebody stands out for their faith or for what they believe in or for masculinity or femininity or whatever, somebody is going to get offended. So to avoid somebody getting offended, let's just have everybody the same. And everybody's trying to get washed into this, you know, same idea without anybody standing out. And there's definitely a place and there needs to be a place for strong, manly leaders, leaders of your family, leaders of your community. There needs to be a place for that. Now, there's a spectrum of where, if we're just talking about guys here, there's a spectrum of where you're going to fall as far as, you know, your place in your life, your role in your family. Mm -hmm. Some guys just are not going to be chopping wood in the backyard. Some guys are not going to be working on their cars. And it doesn't mean they're less of a man necessarily, but we need everybody. We need people in those roles, whatever the roles are, whether you're, not very masculine or wherever you're very masculine. And I think we should celebrate, especially the guys that have decided, you know what, this is who I am. I'm a dude that likes to do manly stuff. Yeah. And I'm going to represent that end of the spectrum. And don't tell me that I should not be that way. We need people in that role. We need, you know, we do need diversity in our lives. We need, you know, you don't want your wife to be, as manly and as savage as you are, I don't think so anyway yeah. we want you know the, fem- the, the the feminine side balances you know the manly savage side of what we do and it, everybody complements each other. so let's just not get rid of one group or the other because somebody is offended.
0: Yeah, I think that like you said, a, a spectrum is definitely a great way of of describing that. I have very dear friends that I don't consider not manly. But they're not the kind of guys that are going to come out to the range with us. They're not the kind of guys that are going to work on their car. They're not the kind of guys that are are going to do those what we would consider manly things on a regular basis. But when it comes to leading their families, teaching their children uh, godly principles, they excel past a lot of guys that I know. Or would consider as like, oh, that's a manly man. You know, I could rely on him if I needed, you know, help building a house or, or fixing a car or, or something like that. And I think that what we get into is we get into these these um, boxes. We start thinking inside of a box instead of instead of actually embracing that it is a well-rounded thing. I, I almost think of it as as more of a a mindset than a a a, a set of characteristics that we would say. Uh, Or a set of, not necessarily even characteristics, because I think that characteristics, there are characteristics to masculinity, but probably um, certain things that we would check on a box, you know, a a list of things. Well, this guy knows how to fix a car. This guy knows how to build a house. This guy knows how to go out into the woods and hunt and do all of this kind of stuff. Those aren't necessarily what I would consider, you know, the um, the full embodiment of what masculinity is. It's more of a mindset and character characteristic of following Christ and leading your family well. Yep, absolutely.
1: We talk <clears throat> about in the Bible a lot. We hear about you know Jesus wanting us to follow Him to be like Him and to be the man that He was. And we talk about God being the Father. And those are there for a reason. Those aren't mm. just you know figures of speech. It's a real type of relationship. It's a man, son type of relationship and we shouldn't just get rid of that. We should celebrate what that is and, and appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I think that, um, it's a very, it's a very interesting time that we live in is that we're, we're seeing a blurring of the lines between femininity and masculinity. It's, it started decades ago with the, the feminist movement of the 1960s and that more from even actually you can even go, or even go further back than that. like, The feminist movement of the of the 20s that got the right to vote for women, you know, that was all about equality. That was about um, building in equality for men and women to have equal say in the way the country was ran. No issues there. I think where we got into the the issues was when there was this kind of this kind of lie of like, you know, women need to be in the workforce, and I'm not I'm not saying that they don't, they can't be in the workforce. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that what we ran into was that it was women should be doing what men are doing in, in society. We shouldn't be, there should be no differentiation between that. And now we see that almost tilted to the to the other end of the spectrum where everything is men are less than women. And it's this push constant pushing down of what masculinity is and what men are supposed to be in, in favor of letting women dominate everything. And I believe that there are roles for both. It's not a, it's not something that's completely one sided, but I think that what we're seeing is just this tipping completely over to where we're pushing men down and they feel beaten down. Yeah. And this absolutely should be, in relationships and our marriages,
1: it should be shared yep. responsibilities. And it doesn't mean that the the wife or the woman should only be doing these things and the man only these. We should be wanting to take care of each other because we love each other and not just making the other person do something. But society today, this is there's no doubt we have turned into a clown show for sure, and it mm-hmm. is ridiculous. And people are very frustrated. They're very frustrated when they rip the men's side, the, the sign off the bathroom that says men and just put bathroom and anybody can go in there. It's, there we, we shouldn't erase the definition of men and women no, off the face no. of the earth. We cannot do that. People know it's obviously wrong and it's getting forced on people. States are passing laws. And Illinois, you can't put a men sign on a bathroom. You just put bathroom and yep. anybody can go in there and use it. And, this is, and people are going, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Can't we just have men be men Women be women, and let's all get along. And if people are different from us, let's treat people right. It doesn't mean, you know, the Christians have always taken a lot of heat for being mean and hateful towards certain groups of people. And that's happened, no doubt about it. Those people aren't living the way they're supposed to be living. Correct. They're not. You know, we are supposed to love everybody and treat everybody with respect. If you look at Jesus in the Bible, there's a lot of people he went to, a lot of parables involving people that society didn't really look up to, Mm -hmm. but he went and talked with them and encouraged them and told them the truth. And he wasn't there to make them feel bad about who they were or who they weren't. It was just loving people and letting them know the truth. And, you know, I think that's where somehow I don't know how, you know, here's a frustrating thing on top of that. I don't know how this, this train gets turned around. I don't know how things, everybody says normal's never coming back. I think that's probably right. I mean, barring a a miracle of miracles, I don't know how society shifts. It, was, it would probably take something very dramatic, very drastic, for things to change. Not that we just want to go back to whatever normal was like in you know in nineteen you know sixty three or, yeah. or or wherever. You know, we do uh, basically as society moves along we get smarter, we get better, we learn things, but we also understand what the truth is and we don't want people telling us something that is a blatant lie and just making us believe it. That's where it gets really frustrating. So I think we can all fit in the roles we're supposed to be into as long as we treat everybody the way we want to be treated. Yeah, That's the main thing.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, if you go back to God's design, where we're talking about, and where I think the assault is kind of happening from culture or the spirit of the age, whatever you want to call it, is in the Bible, in the beginning, when he created humanity, he created the male and female. God actually defined that at the beginning. That we have roles, that we have places that God has put us, we have strengths. You know, there are things my wife can do that I suck at. I'm horrible. Well, first of all, I can't have a baby. <laughs> you know, that's that's well, a that's you know, I mean uh, Don't sell yourself short. Yeah, yet. that's a I mean, I know that's it's a just... hot take right now, but but it's uh um. I can't have children, you know. I I can contribute to that, but I cannot I cannot grow a child inside of my body. That is something that God designed for the female body and um made them have this ability my wife can nurture you know we have a foster child and that when that child is hurt when any of my children are hurt they want mom they don't want dad Mm -hmm. when they want to have fun when they want to go have an adventure they want to go hang out with me but when they're when they're hurting when they need nurturing it's built Mm -hmm. into her i I can't explain it it's something that she just is awesome at yeah and And, yeah and here's the that's the best the best way for
1: a mom and a dad to raise a child they've had. There could be other situations where, you know, a 13 year old is forced to raise their five year old little brother because mom and dad are never home or were abandoned or whatever. And they can do it and they can love their kid or their brother, but that's not optimal. That's not best case scenario. Yeah. And I hate this. I don't want it to sound like nobody else could ever be any good at raising children if they're not a mom and a dad, but, the best possible option for that is for a mom and a dad to raise their child if they can. And that's how things were designed. That's how it's supposed to be. So, you know, we shouldn't knock that. We shouldn't we shouldn't discount the fact that yeah, that probably is the best case scenario.
0: Yep. Yeah, and I I, I completely agree with that. That when you actually even I mean this can be proven out in scientific studies when they talk about children with the best outcome. Now there are outliers. I'm not saying that every child, but if you look at like a like a Venn diagram, you look at that inside of the inside of the normal side, the the ones that have the best chance to have uh the best outcome are ones that were raised in a family setting with a mother and a father in the home. And there's a bunch of There's millions of single moms out there
1: raising their kids and loving them to death and they're growing up happy and healthy and having wonderful lives. If we had to come up with a formula for what the best scenario would be, it probably would be, and I would guess that single moms would probably agree that if a mom and a dad together in a home, a healthy home, raising the kids, if we could have that, that would probably be the best. Mm Mm-hmm case scenario. And I don't know how you could argue that that would not be. So I just don't think we should discount that. And the frustrating part again is that, you know, now people are trying to force us into believing things that aren't true.
0: Yeah, I agree. And God created, after he created male and female, he created family. He had them, they had children and they created the family. So the family structure is something that was from the beginning of time. We live in a fallen world, so not everything works out in perfection. Very rarely. Actually, never does it really work out in perfection. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need God, because he fills that gap between our imperfections and what God's standard is. But I think that really what we can do is we can learn what is worth fighting for. What is worth fighting for as a man and God in in his infinite wisdom? gave men this ability to lead. We don't always lead. Well, I, I know myself, I have failed many a times to lead. My wife can, continues to entrust me with leadership in our home. And so far it has worked out, knock on wood, mm-hmm. we'll say, but, um, but I think that God's design for men is to be a leader in their home, not to be a tyrant, that's not, what we're, that's not what we're called to be. We're called to be a servant leader. We're called to be that um, example that our wives and our sons and our daughters can look up to and say, I want to follow that. I have a desire to follow that. When I'm actually in line with what God wants of me, when I am dedicated my life to following the principles uh, laid forth in the Bible, I am in prayer and I am communicating with my wife, she has no problem following my lead at that point. Yep. And that's what godly masculinity looks like, I believe. That's what God wants us to be, is not to be a tyrant. There's so many people that I see out there, there's this new kind of movement uh, kind of on the right, the manosphere is what they call it. And it's got the people like Andrew Tate and, and Pearl and all of these other people that are big on YouTube. And I think that they, they do a good job of diagnosing the problem, but their solution is completely wrong. The solution is don't get married because the court system is totally favoring of women. Mm. Don't get, don't, don't, um, don't commit to anybody because you can't trust anybody. And it's like, man, that's just a bro- That's a recipe for disaster on the other end too. I think that we do in this day and age and <clears throat> speaking to young men who may not be married yet is yeah, you need to, you need to be more cautious I would say but that doesn't mean to to stay out of it because God calls us to be, to be leaders, to be, and he wants us to find that person to do life with. Um, some people are meant to be single. I know I can't be single. You know, it's, it's just, I, I couldn't be single, but some people that's fine for them. But I would say for the most part, people yeah. need that relationship yeah, of absolutely. marriage. And one of the things you can do as far
1: as if you're looking like, well, what can I do to be you know, that type of guy, like the the masculine leader of my family. One of the easiest things you can do is you can be a protector of your family. You can physically protect your wife and kids. And now this does not mean that you have to go sign up for some, you know, MMA class or get into some martial arts. It means you have to have the mindset of I'm not going to let anything happen to my wife or kids. It means you're paying attention to your surroundings, yep. it means you are on the lookout for people that are looking sketchy or checking you out. It means that you're thinking about, well, what am I going to do with this road rage situation It means what how am I analyzing my surroundings to make sure my family is safe and protected and not going to get hurt and you know my wife, she absolutely enjoys the fact that I'm the guy. That is there to protect her. She appreciates the yeah. fact that I'm the one that's on the lookout. I'm the one that's, you know, walking on the sidewalk closest to the road, so that you know I'm in more danger than she is as we're walking yeah. down the sidewalk, or where you sit in a restaurant so you can see the door, or whatever. The small things that to most people they wouldn't even notice, but to my wife, she notices that I'm actively thinking about those type of things, and so those are the things—just small things—you can start with. To that doesn 't you don't have to go bench press three hundred pounds to do that you don 't have to you know accomplish some crazy physical feat. It means you just have to have the have the heart and the desire to be a protector and that 's you know what being a true man a true leader in your in your family is all about, and so that 's an easy start
0: yeah, I do think that that what you said is true, and i do think but I do also think that. Some of those things do go along with that. Like, maybe, maybe change your diet. Maybe get into the gym. Maybe mm-hmm. physically get a little bit stronger. Doesn't mean you have to turn into a bodybuilder like like Nathan Kemp. But <laughs> shout out, it's all, it's <laughs> but, all genetic. Yeah, gonna say <laughs> but uh, but uh, no, uh, it, it's it, Dave's oldest son is quite the human specimen of strength. But uh, we um, we don't we don't necessarily have to get to that level. But I would say that generally, you know, maybe getting some physical strength, learning how to m- maybe taking a martial arts class. That's that's all things that you can learn as part of a tool bag of yeah. learning how to be a well-rounded protector and understanding. It gives you confidence. Yeah, let me, go, let
1: me go back to that a few times in these episodes. I've <clears throat> said things like you don't have to be a karate expert. or You don't have to bench press a lot of stuff. Let me tell you one thing for sure if you get into something like jujitsu, for example yep and you start doing those classes just like you just said your confidence level it's like the it's like the the magic trick to be able to physically defend yourself and the the stuff that you learn and not only just the 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 moves and the techniques that you learn but then getting physically in shape that's not tough if you start one of those classes it's going to be like you're running a marathon every day it's going to be physically mm-hmm. demanding but what happens is it it switches your mindset to where i can handle myself in any situation and it gives you confidence and then your wife and your kids your family see that confidence and they feel safer and more secure and they know that if some sketchy thing is about to go down they can rely on you that's part yep. of your job in your family is to be that person if you're driving down the interstate and about to get to St. Louis and there's a mob of people blocking the interstate (laughs) and you're getting surrounded, I promise you somebody in your vehicle is going to be looking to the person that can defend you. Yep. And there needs to be somebody. It needs to be the man of that family that can be able to do something to protect your family. Yep. So that's where the roles, there need to be defined roles. It doesn't need to be whitewashed where everybody is just the same. You got to have somebody that you can look to. And it's usually those times of despair where people start looking for the person. Um, I remember going out to some training in, in New Mexico about a decade ago. And after class, we went hiking around out in the wilderness. And only one of us had taken a firearm with them out to this, to this training, this class. Everybody else left their guns at home. And we're hiking around, and we start to see some signs of some very large, scary animals around. And we're like, who's got the gun? <laughs> we, we need, this is getting sketchy. We need somebody. Who's that person? And luckily, thank God, Red Ella had a gun with him that day. And, uh, and we all felt better. But we needed that thing. We needed somebody there. Like, who is the person that's going to save us in this situation? And even if you're not in that situation, just whatever it is with your own family, somebody's going to be looking for that person. And if it's not in your family, they're going to be looking outside. And I don't want to be the person, the husband, where my wife is looking for somebody else to do that. I want to be the person that can step up and do that for them.
0: Yeah. And I I just kind of tie this up. It doesn't take a real long time to get to that level either. I I think I heard, I I don't remember if it was Jonko Willink or... Somebody else that's big in the jiu-jitsu world said if you spend six months of dedication to learning just the basics of, of Brazilian jiu-jitsu or some other kind of effective fighting style, you will be able to handle yourself against probably 90% of the people that you run into. Yeah, or more. That could be yeah. a threat because most people that go out there that are trying to bully people, they don't really know what they're doing. They really, I mean, I know you've right. seen this in the criminal world. They, you know, they're just using whatever they have. They're trying to use intimidation to get what they want out of you. But when push comes to shove, a lot of times those guys, they don't want to go toe-to-toe with that.
1: Yeah. And so if you're looking, you know, check out Andy Sabins at Sabins Martial Arts. You can check out Sam Burns at Mm -hmm. Arsenal Martial Arts. Uh, There's a lot of uh, dudes out there that would be very willing and are very capable of getting you started in that world. So... Uh, It's definitely an eye opener. I would highly suggest you start looking in into something like that.
0: And it's not something that you can learn from watching YouTube. You really have to put hands on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely a big suggestion. Or if you're not in Southern Illinois area, find an instructor that's reputable around you. Get into that. um, Find a gym. Start working out, doing some kind of thing to strengthen yourself so that you can be that protector. I think the, the, the next thing for men specifically is that call to be a provider of the, to the family of not to be that deadbeat that, you know, lives in your mom's basement, that kind of thing. But it is a, I said this, um, a couple of months ago and it kind of stuck in my mind as what God calls us to be as men, protectors, providers, leaders in our home. It's kind of one of those things. He's gonna hold us responsible for that. In 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 the economy, in God's economy, we are responsible. So if there is a failure or a breakdown in our home, we are actually gonna be held responsible for that, for that breakdown or that failure. And that's a that's a heavy mantle to carry as a man, but it is a true mantle that we do have to carry. So being a provider, you know, diligently working at your job where you're at always looking for a better opportunity if the, if you need that, if your family needs more provision, looking and working hard at where you are at, start where you're at and build yourself up. Every job that I've gotten has been an increase in pay, also mm-hmm. could be an increase in responsibility, but I've always looked for a better way to provide for my family. And that has worked out because I take it very, seriously when I am at a job that that is the way that I provide for my family. Yeah. If you want to be as manly as possible, whatever job you have, do it as if you're working for God. Yep.
1: That's it. So if you get hired at McDonald's and they hire you and your only job is to clean the bathrooms, you you should, it should be clean enough to where you're eating Big Macs off the toilet seats. Yep. That's how clean that bathroom should be. Yep. And maybe you don't like it. Maybe you're embarrassed that that's your job and you're not really proud of it. You do it the best that you could possibly do that job. That's the, the manly, godly thing to do. And then all of a sudden, who knows? You never know where things are going to lead. You could decide you know, to, to get hired at some place, and they tell you you're cleaning the bathrooms, and you don't like it, and you thought maybe you just quit and tell them you don't want to work there. But actually, they're testing to see what kind of person you are. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, after cleaning the bathrooms for two weeks, They've promoted you to whatever your dream job was, or they appreciate the hard work you've done. And now you're actually getting a chance to do what you really want to do. You never know where things are going to lead. You think a stumbling block at one point is that's it. This is horrible. And actually it, it opens the door to some other great opportunity. And a lot of times in our lives, we look back, we've talked about this before, where you connect the dots of where you've been and you're like, yeah, this Time in my life was hard and terrible, and this tragedy happened and this happened, but I would never be where I am right now if those things had not have happened. And we see it easily looking back. It's hard to see it right in the moment, yep. and you just have to trust that, you know what? God's got a plan. I don't know where this is leading right now, but I know down the road I'm going to look back and I'm going to see somehow the benefit. I'm going to see how this benefited me yep. and our family. So, you know, do your job the best that you can, even if you're not super thrilled about it, even if you're, you know, you think, you know, it's just, it's tough. Things aren't going right. It doesn't mean you can't look for other jobs and, and try to do things, but whatever you're doing, everything that you do, do it like you you are working for God.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's a verse in the Bible. I forget exactly where it's at, but it talks about how perseverance and going through these hard times builds character. And that's what God is trying to build in us through, through these tests. And sometimes it's a, it could be a test from God. He's saying, hey, I want to see if you've learned anything. I want to see if you, you actually have the character to persevere through this thing. And I'm going to bless you on the other end. Yeah. I know it's personally happened to me several times in my life where something that was really, really hard at the time that it happened, it was almost impossible to get through. I didn't know how we were going to get through it as a family, as, as a young married couple. Didn't know. But on the other end, it was like, wow, God had me in his, in his hands the whole time. And he was guiding my steps and giving me an opportunity to grow and to build more character so that I could take on the next challenge. Yeah, those things, they
1: build resilience. Yep. Those tough times. And whether it's things in your life or it's the Jitsu class you just signed up for and you're getting your butt kicked, you know, for the first six months, those things build resilience. Anything that's tough in your life. And you continue to grind through it and somehow get through it builds resilience so you can handle the really bad things later on down the road. We don't want to be so weak minded that the, the first little tough thing in our life breaks us down because there's going to be some crazy things that happen in your life and we need to be ready for yourself so that you don't have a breakdown so that you, you'll you be there for your family. They're, your family's relying on you. Yep, They need you to be strong. They need you. To have a job, they need you, you know, to be there to t- help take care of the family mm-hmm. and, and and step up. They they need that. And if we just quit and tap out, you know, when things are a little bit tough, you know, oh this job I don't really like. I'm gonna quit this job and you go get another job. And next thing you know, you've had ten jobs this year because the first day you're there, you don't like the boss or they made you do something. This is not gonna work out for you very long. Yep. You have got to what we call kind of suck it up. Yep. And you know, it's not yeah, sometimes we have to do some things, do some jobs that we don't like, we're not fond of, that we're embarrassed about. Uh, but those are building blocks for you. You know, yep. You know, the the, the famous saying is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And absolutely hundred percent true. Yep. A hundred percent true. So
0: Yep, And so in this talk, we've talked about a lot of the ways that God designed masculinity to be and how we should be as as husbands, fathers, and men. Um, But let's talk a little bit about, um, and we talked a little bit about how culture is kind of assaulting that. But let's also talk about where we are with the church and masculinity because I feel like this is something, it's kind of an elephant in the room for Christian men. And I think that I know in just my, my dealings with a lot of the men at our church and talking to them, there's not, they don't feel like there's a place in the church for them. And I think, We talk about the big C church, the overall church, they're, they're not, I don't, I don't feel like men's ministry is a priority for the church. And I think that it's probably, in my opinion, the most important thing that the church should be focused on right now, because if you want to change culture, if you want to change families, if you want to build a strong foundation in a community, you need to have strong families. Strong families come through strong leadership from men. And I don't, I don't know that we're doing, or I don't feel like we're doing a good job of actually cultivating that. I feel like a lot of the modern church is geared towards women, and that the thought is, whether it's intentional or not, the thought is, we'll get the husbands if we get the wives and kids. So we're going to build this real vibrant kids' ministry, mm-hmm. and we're going to have the Tuesday women's tea party or whatever. And then the men will come on Sunday, you know, and you see a lot of those men, they show up, they're not activated. They're not engaged. They're, they're there to check the box of, Mm -hmm. you know, I did the, I did the godly thing and took my family to church, but we're not activating them to go out into the world and act like they believe and be that light in every part of their life. I'm
1: curious to see what the numbers would be. I've never really thought about this before, but I wonder what percentage, how many wives drag their
0: husbands to church i would say it's probably better it's than 50 it's gotta be a huge number yep.
1: everybody in church on sunday how many of the dudes there got drugged to church by mm-hmm. their wives because yep. they didn't really want to go but their wife's been bugging them and so they finally went just so they she quit nagging them and they're there and i guess it's it's a better than nothing scenario is it's better that somebody's in church than not but we don't want people drugged into church we want yep. them you know, called there and we want their, you know, their heartstrings tugged on like, man, I think I need to be there. And that's probably where some men in the church can, can reach out and be, be an example, I guess. And I, I guess there's a lot of different places, you know, we could be that example, whether you're the guy at the door greeting somebody um, or, you know, somebody that's in the music, you mm-hmm. know, ministry like you yep. or, or whatever. But yeah, we don't see a whole lot of examples of like, Hey, this, there's some people here like me type of thing you know yeah. and sometimes you know maybe you know i don't want to stereotype a whole lot here but maybe you've got the the 90 year old dude at the front door greeting people um and it's and it's not like this everywhere but sometimes there's not a strategy behind yeah what kind of face do we want to put out there so that we do we encourage the men of the families like hey you know this isn't this is, and I've talked about this before, about some things being churchy, certain words, certain phrases, and and also just what happens inside the church. You know, a lot of guys just don't want to be involved yep. in something that seems churchy, uh, whatever that is in, in your mind. And so it's almost like, you know, we need some some like-minded guys there to help in that welcoming process to show people that this, is, this isn't about churchy stuff. This isn't, you know whatever in your mind that you think, you know, church was or is, this is about manly leaders in their community and their family stepping up and being good representatives of God, the church, the kingdom and lay. Let's get, let's get together. Let's get involved. Let's, yep. let's be the guys, um, of this community and lead that way And maybe, I don't know, you know, guys might not feel like they're getting drugged in. So more like, hey, this is, if your wife invites you to church and, you know, there's some dudes there that, you know, you hunt with or shoot with or, or whatever, and they're engaged in conversation and they're supporting all of a sudden, it might not feel like you're getting drugged there anymore. Like, it's almost like, you know, you feel the tug yep. to go if there's like minded types of, of, of people there. And then it's it's, it's not like. There's not, but sometimes there's a resistance to kind of, to show that, to show up and, and be like, Hey, over here, you know, us, you know, we're, we're the same people. It's everybody does their own thing. It's, it's a very difficult, it's a weird dynamic sometimes, you know, I kind of sit back. I'm a, I'm an analyzer, Yeah, man. I analyze a lot of stuff. Now I sit back and and, in church is just a, it's a, every family is kind of like a silo. They're just in their bubble, they do their thing, they say hi, they go, they go to church, sing, and there's, there's a lot of ways to connect you know through different programs and stuff, but still, it's very difficult to overcome that silo mentality. People are short on time. It's like yep. you know everybody's busy crazy lives, and there's a million things affecting that, uh, but you know there's you know, got to be some ways to, to overcome that yeah. You know,
0: I think that um, we have a couple of examples. I th- I, I, for me, in just kind of this study that I started several months ago, I was pretty heavily involved in our men's ministry at the church for a while. And just looking and reading, I've read several books, a couple of great books. If you guys are looking for kind of an exploration of finding your inner man or or what that looks like, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge is a fantastic book of I think every guy has this inner question of like, do I have what it takes? Whatever it, it's about, do I have what it takes? Do I measure up to what I need to be as a man? And I think that that book specifically answers that, qu- that question. It's an older book, something that's newer, uh, uh, John Lovell's Warrior Poet Way. Great, great book. Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing some really awesome stuff with, with uh, masculinity and um, kind of similar worlds to where we are. But those are two really awesome books, uh, for that. But I think that men specifically, we learn through activity. It's just this, when you get some guys out on the range and you shoot for, this is the whole reason, whole idea behind our tactical weekend was after you shoot with these guys for a couple hours, you crack a couple jokes, you have a little bit of time at learning together and, and doing something. Then all of a sudden guys start opening up. They start, they start. I mean, they'll, they'll tell you their life story and they may be the most introverted guy in the world, but you get them doing something together and all of a sudden those guys are opening up. They're sharing, they're sharing even some of their most innermost things with you. It's just like, Hey dude, you know, a couple of guys come out to the range, you know, they've reached out to me on some personal things and it's been awesome to be able to talk to them and pray with them and, and get to know them better. But I think specifically for men that are completely different from women, women, they learn through communication. They need that emotional contact. They need that yeah. before they're going to go do something, they need to have that emotional drive. That's why marriages is such a kind of a give and take because guys want the physical before they get the emo before they give the emotional and women want the emotional yeah. before they give the physical. When you talk about intimacy in a marriage, that's the dynamic that you're working with. I think it's so true, even in just regular life that men, We learn things through activity we we open up after we have done something with other men and we have connected with them
1: i think it's so true what you said earlier about a lot of churches are designed for women like let's get the the moms and the women here then maybe we'll get the husbands and i think a lot of guys that have kind of the manly mindset the masculine mindset the you know i kind of i identify john as a warrior (laughs) okay so i kind of have the the, that warrior mindset and when you kind of think like that and you're you know a man's man and and that's kind of who you are thinking about for me thinking about going to church there's like the exact opposite of that in my mind i thought well i don't know if that's really for me like i don't know i always envisioned because i never grew up going to church and so i just church to me was I always envisioned it was just a Baptist church. You're sitting there in some pews with a bunch of really old people singing some really old, slow hymns that bore you to death and you just can't wait to get out of there. That's what I thought church Mm -hmm. was. I'm like, what, you know what? That's kind of the opposite of what I want to do or the kind of person I want to be. Um, and so there's kind of that dynamic that's in conflict with each other. And I think what helps a lot is first of all, getting into the word of God and kind of reading with the history of what the history of the world, the history of humans and the history of the old Testament and the new Testament and who Jesus was. And all of a sudden you start to get a real clear picture of this is, there's a lot of manly stuff going on. Oh yeah. Big time. There's a lot of battles and war and spiritual warfare. And there's, and you look at what Jesus went through, you know, on his way to the cross and what he voluntarily You know, you talk about tough guys in the history of the world. I don't know. I don't know if you watch, have ever seen Passion of the Christ and watch, you know, the floggings and the beatings and the crucifixion. And to think that somebody did that voluntarily said, yep, sign me up. I'm about to do this. There's not ever been a tougher person on the face of the planet than Jesus himself. And once you start to understand, okay, maybe maybe this isn't just, church isn't just a, a churchy thing. Maybe this is, you know, maybe this is more like who I am. Yep. And once you kind of get a, a bigger, deeper understanding of the history and all that, um, you know, I started to kind of open my mind a little bit, like maybe, maybe this is just exactly what I've been looking for. Maybe this isn't just the opposite. Like, holy cow. Now you're talking about not only being, a a a manly godly leader in the physical world, but now you start thinking about the possibilities of what you can accomplish in the spiritual realm. Like, hmm, this is getting real interesting. And this is sounded. And to me, it was always like, I think this is something I can really start to connect with. And it, and it, and it really has.
0: Yeah. And um, so as a challenge to the guys listening to this, I think that we we should say, you know, whether in our local area or someplace else. I know we've actually had downloads from people in Australia, ironically of this, Mm -hmm. of this podcast, which is kind of cool. But, um, what we, what we would challenge you guys to do is whatever church you go to, wherever you go, whatever community you're involved in, find those like-minded people and start something, start a brotherhood. there, a little pocket of guys that get together. You do things together, whatever your common interests are. And you, Build one another up because that is sorely lacking in the world that we live in. We are so bombarded by fake adventures. I, I used to be really big into video games when I was younger. And then I started to realize that was tapping into my need for an adventure that, and it never fulfilled it. It's like playing three or four hours of call of duty. It never fulfilled anything with me. It was just doing something and it felt good at the time, but it was like a, it's like a drug, you know, just just slowly feeding me that. Yep. I was really big into sports. Um, Still watch sports. I watch sports with my son. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these things. When they come, become your adventure and not a relaxation or something like that, when they become your priority and in, in seeking that adventure in your life, I think that that's actually, that technically would be what I would call toxic. That's something that's yeah, no, robbing you of, what the fullness of life of getting out and actually experiencing the adventure that every man craves, because in our own way, every man and everybody's adventure looks different. Some guys like you and me, I think we could probably go on a camping trip and for two weeks and shoot some guns and cook some food over a fire. And we would be like, that was awesome. Not all guys are like that. Some guys are like, I think I'd rather go to a resort for a week or something (laughs) like that and have somebody bring me. That's fine. But that, that sense of adventure, is is built into every man. I truly believe that and I think that finding that tapping into it, getting out of the f- the fake plug into the matrix kind of thing and just let us feed you mm-hmm. this this um fake stuff in your life is so important to take the next step to masculinity. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Yep. Um so moving into where we're um where we're going to end up is um I wanted to kind of segue into something else. You just actually had an adventure kind of, but with your wife, which is awesome. And, uh, you got to go out to Yosemite national park. Spoiler alert. This is one of my favorite places to visit. I was out in California for a while when I was in the air force. Absolutely love Yosemite national park, but I want you to take a few minutes and, and share kind of what you felt there and if you had any kind of feelings of of what god was saying about creation and stuff. yeah for
1: sure so yeah so just retired a few weeks ago and we decided you know what we're retired and all of our kids are grown uh let's go take a cool trip somewhere and we you know we go here and there every once in a while but just kind of on a whim we thought let's go check out yosemite this sound looks like a really cool place I've seen pictures of it before, and, and you see video and, and National Geographic documentaries and all that. And like, it looks pretty cool. So, we go leave from Illinois and go to California. So, <laughs> I don't know if we're really in a better state or not. Blue state
0: to blue state. Yes, for <laughs> sure. But
1: anyway, um, get out there. And this place is incredible. It's beyond words, really. And I'll, maybe we'll try and throw some pictures and yep, yep. videos up there on this podcast. But it was so. It just took you back almost like in time, like to the beginning of time almost. And you just get a sense, a real sense of what God has created on this earth. And to me, it was like there's, I I can't imagine that in any way, shape or form that all of this somehow accidentally happened and it was just incredible, and it was almost emotional. I'm not an emotional guy, but it was like a, a spiritual place almost because it's so epic and so large, and you got everything from uh, three thousand year old sequoia trees and just enormous trees that you could drive a car through to epic waterfalls and big mountains, El Capitan, and and um, just you know all kinds of stuff going on, and it was crazy. And so, you know, it gives you time to reflect. You're out there in the middle of nowhere in the middle of this beautiful place. And there were several times where we would, me and my wife, Sheila, we just sit down and reflect, have time to pray to God, have time to think about your family, think about what's important in life. And it was a really cool way to really reset, you know, yep. kind of prioritize things in your life and reflect and look back on how things have been and where you're at now and how we got to this place. And so it was super cool. I highly recommend it. It's probably the most gorgeous place I've ever been to. In the country, yep, ever just it really truly was. So you got a chance to get out there, and get it, and like you were talking about, a lot of men just have it in their DNA. They want to get out and do stuff. And for guys, if you're out there, you're just everything is pulling you. You know, there's huge rocks and boulders and mountains to climb and and things to explore, and everything is just tugging at you to to get out and and check things out and have an adventure and get out there and do things. And so it was really incredible. I highly recommend people getting out there to check it
0: out. And, you know, it was, uh, unforgettable. Yeah. I I think that like you said, that's, that's the biggest argument for intelligent design ever is you look at human beings and then you look at creation, you look at the beauty that surrounds us. And I'm, I'm with you on that. I think it's the most beautiful area in the country. It's just unfortunate it's in California, but, but it is, it is a, it is absolutely breathtaking. And there are so many things in this world that you look at and you're like, there's not a way, there's no way that this just big bang happened and that all of this happened from nothing. Because <laughs> I heard a comedian actually recently talk about how atheists have this belief in nothing and then Christians believe in God. You know, we believe, oh, God created this. And he's like, if you're nothing, all of a sudden became everything. That's a pretty big nothing. So it's, it's kind of like disarming that ability to say, oh yeah, this all came from nothing. It's impossible. It's impossible yeah. that all of this stuff just randomly happened millions of years ago. No, there was intelligent thought and design in this whole thing. And we should take those opportunities to, to stand in awe and to just appreciate and worship our god in those moments where we see this beauty in creation it's like even even in the simplicity of a baby being born you see this beauty of this this human being being formed and being born into the world and learning how to become self-sufficient it's just the the beauty and awe of god is just incredible yeah my, my quick
1: take on atheism i guess and agnostics real quick is how is i'm curious to know if you believe that you are just random in the universe and that you don't have a soul and your <clears throat> life doesn't really mean anything because it doesn't you're going to live on this planet and die and that's it it's over just like a tree that was growing you know 5000 years ago on the planet it's gone now and it will never be remembered it's just gone if you're living like that and you know you've only got 30 40 or 50 years to l- to live on this planet why don't you live like this is it? Why would you follow the rules? Why would you follow the laws? Why, wouldn't you just try to do everything that you could possibly do to get taken advantage of everything? Because mm-hmm. as, as an atheist, there's no, there's no right or wrong. There's yeah. no, to the plants growing in the backyard, there's not right or wrong. There's not love. And if there's not a right or wrong, to, to lions living in the jungle, when they chase down a gazelle and eat it, it's not wrong. It's not nope. murder. It's just life. Yep. The, so if you don't believe in God, there is no right or wrong. So no, we're just animals. So if you have an opportunity to steal somebody's money, you should. And you shouldn't say, well, society, just in order for us to get along and to. No, you should do everything as possible. All you atheists out there, I believe, should be stealing and robbing your guts out. To get ahead, to get as much as get as much as you can, to be the best you can, and to take advantage of every single opportunity. If you see a little old lady that leaves her purse in a shopping cart, you should steal it and take all of her money and credit cards and steal all of her money so you have more money to get more stuff because it's not there is no wrong about it. It just means survival of, of the, the fittest. fittest yep. It's all about survival and who can live the longest and who can reproduce the most. So so why not? I always thought, thought it was curious why they didn't live that way because it seems like to me that would be how you would want to live, how you would want to get ahead in life, how you would ensure your survival is having more stuff and having other people's taking other people's stuff. Just like in nature, animals steal things. They eat things. They, it's just they're trying to survive, yep. trying to live. And so... When it comes to, you know, to me, right and wrong is from God. Love is from God. It's not a man-made thing. And you think about, you know, the most beautiful things in the universe. It's actually loving each other, loving, you know, other human beings. Yep. Like there's, there's a lot to that. And that didn't just come from nothing. That wasn't just part of the accident uh, that has happened. So Um, I think that was very interesting kind of take on that. And and for me out there in in Yosemite, it was just reaffirming. And yeah, there's a lot of beautiful stuff out there in the world. And just because you look at a cool waterfall doesn't prove the existence of anything, but you just be honest with yourself. Just have an honest conversation with yourself and ask yourself, do I really honest to God? (laughs) No pun intended believe that I'm just randomly here by accident, by happenstance, or is the fact that I'm even having a conversation in my head without talking out loud actually help prove to me that, yeah, maybe there's something more here. Maybe I do have a soul. Maybe there is something else out there, a God that created me and cares about me and has a future for me. And if you're curious about it, and you are like on the fence, like, oh, I'm not an atheist necessarily. I just, I just don't know. I don't know if I believe all this Bible stuff and these fairy tales, you know, stories. And it just seems like, you know, I'm not quite sure. If you're not quite sure, then we always encourage people this. Like, we dare you to just say a little prayer at night. All right, God, make believe God of the universe. If you exist, if you're really there, then just show me that you're real. And it doesn't mean some magic trick is going to happen. And all of a sudden angels are going to show up in your bedroom somewhere. But a lot of people that pray that prayer all of a sudden are having a very dynamic experience in their life one way or the other. And it's usually like, Hmm, I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting these things in my life. We see all these things that happen to us sometimes that, um, that people, um, say just happenstance, um, and, but they're not. They're actually in place. Uh, they're ordained and the planned from God.
0: Yeah, I think that yeah. To kind of t- circle back and tie this all back into what we talked about at the beginning, it's it's really interesting because it's. I think that most people in those situations, like you said, the atheists that claim to be atheists, think secretly they know that there is something out there. They just don't want to. They don't want to accept it because of the implications of accepting it. is a call to action, is a call to change, is a call to mm-hmm. repentance. It's a, it's a tugging at the heart that, yeah I'm just going to drown that out and just say I don't believe it. Yeah. It's like ignoring the elephant in the room.
1: And most friends of mine that have had that have real serious problems with Christianity, they. What I found is that the at the bottom of this problem is they've had a real serious problem with a person who wasn't yep. Christian. Somebody wronged them terribly. It was either a preacher or a pastor or a friend that claimed to be a Christian, but they were a hypocrite and and they, you know, cheated on their wife with them and or whatever horrible thing mm-hmm. has happened and they and they base Christianity on the behavior of that person. It's like I don't want to be that. Why well, do I wanna deal with that? It's not really based on what they really feel is true out there. Um, it's based on a bad situation sometimes, I'm not saying every time, but for those of you that have, have had problems with a certain person, I would ask you just to take a step back, like, all right, regardless of what my experience was with that horrible person who called themselves a Christian, I'm going to sit back and take a look and and try and figure out if this whole concept of of Jesus being the king of the universe is legit or not yeah and that's tough that's tough for some people that have had had problems um but I think like you said honestly in their soul i think they they honestly know what the truth is yeah
0: yeah and i think that when we when we go back and we look at what is what is being attacked in masculinity what is being um uh, what is being assaulted it's 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 really an assault on on God's design for the family, God's design for men and women. It is the tearing down of everything that God really set forth because as you said, without the morals and and values and principles that are laid forth in scripture, we don't have modern culture. We don't have civilization. We don't have laws. We don't have government. That is all based on the principles laid out in scripture and especially in this country, which was heavily based on that. And a lot of Western civilization is built on those principles. And if you remove that, you have anarchy and the breaking down for us to, to make these quantum leaps forward in technology and all of this stuff to say that that's just random, that we were Neanderthals a couple thousand years ago. And all of a sudden we learned how to build computers, mm-hmm. man, that's a really hard leap. Uh, the the more likely answer to that is that God created us with minds that are complex and able to look at things and break them down and improve them. Because if you look throughout history, civilization has improved to a point now where it's like it's mind blowing the things that we can do. But I think that what we're seeing now is this this tearing away. It's almost a de-evolution because I believe that God created us to be able to evolve technology to be able to evolve medical technology. I mean, people can stay alive. My mother's in the hospital right now, staying alive because of medical technology. And we're looking at really what's happening is this devolving of what's going on in society and culture, especially in our, in our country right now is it's, it's a de-evolution into almost a more primitive mindset instead of moving forward. We are moving back. Yeah, you can't have a, a healthy society without God
1: in it. And I'll yep. explain to you. I'll give you a couple examples. We've got a buddy of ours, Chuck, who, who's mm-hmm. worked in some federal prisons before. And I've got some other friends that have worked in, in big prisons. And every prison out there in America or the world is a society. It mm-hmm. is a culture in its own. There's a way things work. There's rules. There's rules that the prisoners make themselves. They have their own rules, their own laws, their own their own way things are done, it's very specific. It is all godless. And I'm telling you what, the society in some of these prisons is absolutely horrible. It's the amount of violence and and corruption and horrible things that are going on that people do to each other in prisons, it's just completely out of control. And if you know most people don't even think about it. They think, oh, it's just prison, everything's fine. It's a whole nother universe there. But it's a society. It's a godless society for the most part. There's a lot of people that have Bible studies and do those things. But the culture of the prison is not based on, hey, we believe Jesus is God. The culture of the prison is, hey, we've got this gang running this side of the prison. We've got another gang running this side. Here's the rules. Here's who you can talk to. Here's how you can buy things. Here's how you can buy things that have been smuggled into the prison. There's all these rules and laws just like you would have, you know, in some other society you want to set up. But it's not based on God. It's not based on godly principles. And so it's always on the verge of chaos at all times. And I don't want to live in a society where, you know, let's get rid of God. We can't pray anymore. We're going to take in God we trust, off of the money. Everything is godless, godless, godless. We'll make our own rules and things will be fine without God. I'm telling you right now, you do not want to live in that society. Whether you believe in God or not, you don't want to live there. And whether you believe in God or not, you don't want to go to prison. You don't want to decide to start living there. It's going to be a horrible community and society for you. So God is what in love for each other and following Godly principles is what holds any healthy society together. And so we cannot get rid of that. We cannot afford to get that out of our lives because it's a recipe for utter disaster. And you know, my career in law enforcement, yeah uh, spanned almost 30 years and i've seen the way that a lot of the godless society lives how they act it's just very animalistic yeah and it's cutthroat and it's no way that anybody would want to live on purpose um and so for nothing else other than order <laughs> and 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 things going smoothly you want to have godly
0: society yeah and i think we have a even a couple of examples in countries that that when you look at the history of china i, I use them as an example when it fell to communism and after shortly after world war ii there was this big fight between mao Zedong and shang uh, kai-shek who was the uh, more i guess you could say republic-minded leader of china and mao was the communist leader of china as soon as mao took over he outlawed religion and he destroyed historical Um, any history of religion or culture or anything like that basically turned China into a godless society. And the result of that was, I think they say 40 to 50 million of his own people dead in just a matter of a few decades. So when you remove God from that and you, from a society, what happens is a lot of times genocide, a lot of death, a lot of suffering, and even to this day, no one would say that China is a good place to live. It is a still a communist-controlled society that is godless. And um, they use a lot of modern-day principles to keep their economy going. They use a lot of free market principles to use, make their economy work. But the whole backbone of that country is communism. And that's a broken thing and it's godless, you know? And yeah. so I think that that's a, another good example of just what happens when stuff like that breaks down. Yep. No doubt. And, um, so I think what we're going to do is that's pretty much we're, uh, we're kind of out of time. So we're going to, we're going to go ahead and close out the episode. We've got some other uh, stuff that's going to come in short video form this week, but, um, uh, this is the end of episode four. We'd like to thank you guys for, um, jumping in with us, staying on a journey with us. We got more content coming your way. Don't forget, hit our website up, righteous savages.com. Follow all our social medias, share our content out to people that you think would be interested in joining the brotherhood. And don't forget, wherever you are as a man, um, engage with other like-minded men and build that brotherhood. We'll see you guys next time.